0: What I always tell my people is, listen, I'm under no illusions that you're going to retire at Crackle, right? You're probably going to have two, three, five more jobs before you're done. But while you're here, you might as well work on your own personal brand, which will benefit me, and then it will also arm you for future successes.
1: Welcome to Rep Your Brand, a podcast for B2B marketers who are looking to build their career through a strong personal brand. Wrap Your Brand is hosted by Nick Bennett, one of LinkedIn's top voices on field marketing and personal personal branding. In each episode, Nick captures stories on how to overcome the challenges marketers face with growing their brand. So if you're a marketer looking to open doors and create opportunities that you never thought were possible, then listen in to get tangible tips and strategies to build your very own personal brand. Hello and welcome to another episode of Rep Your Brand, a podcast for B2B marketers who are looking to build their careers through a strong personal brand. I'm Nick Bennett. This podcast is brought to you by my friends at Motion. They're a done for you podcasting service for scrappy marketing teams in B2B tech. They're two of the nicest guys around, and the work that they do is truly world class. You can find them at motionagency.io. And today, I'm super excited because it's another Boston guy. Our guest today is Perry Hedrick. He is the founder at Crackle PR. Harry, thank you so much for joining me. I've been a huge fan of yours on LinkedIn for, honestly, I feel
0: like forever now. Well, likewise, Nick, it's a really uh, great opportunity to finally, you know, talk face to face, as it were, even though we're over the interwebs. (laughs) Absolutely. So,
1: you know, I want to kind of get into it. I feel like, you know, you're a a big proponent of having a personal brand. I feel like you understand it. So I want to kind of kick things off with what does a personal brand mean to you? Like, where do you see the value coming from it?
0: To me, I think it's as simple as a personal brand means your reputation precedes you. You know, I, I don't care whether that's looking for a job, whether that's looking to potentially partner with somebody, if that's a sales engagement. It means that people have seen enough about how you think, whether it's on LinkedIn or TikTok or other platforms, they've seen enough about how you think that they feel like they know you before they actually have that first point of contact. And a lot of that stuff is this whole dark social, dark web thing where it's like, by the time some people reach out, they've seen hundreds of my posts, but I've never once interacted with them. And the way I always describe it, Nick, is that by the time like a CMO reaches out to me for B2B tech PR, they typically say, you know, your posts really resonate with me. I feel like I know you. And then from my standpoint, I'm sitting here thinking, well, that sounds like our deal's almost 70% of the way done, right? All the hard work has already been done because they've seen the ethos of what I bring to the deal. It's you know,
1: it's it's interesting that you mention that because I'll get a lot of DMs that will like they'll reach out to me and say, Hey, I've been loving your content forever. But what's what's so interesting is they will never like, they will never comment on a single post that I create. And I I always I know there's a lot of lurkers out there, and those lurkers could potentially turn into business because they have for the company I work for, Alice, and I'm sure it's happened for you as well. Like, what are your thoughts on, you know, how do you actually take relationships to the next level from the content creation that you make on social?
0: Well, the way I view this whole thing is a little bit how like Chris Walker from Refine Labs views it. It's really about creating demand. So for me, I don't do any outreach to anyone. I don't do any prospecting. I don't do any, po- I, don't, I don't reach out to people to try to hire them. It's 100% inbound. The People that I hire have come to me. The people that are my clients have come to me It's all based on the body of work that I've put out there over a period of time. And so, when when you ask, how do I take it to the next level? It's really not me taking it anywhere. It's the people I employ, it's the partners that come in, and it's the clients that come in and take that step. And that to me is the essence of building demand. You know, I spent my whole career for a couple of the largest privately held technology PR agencies in North America. And I would do a whole lot of smiling and dialing. I would you know, SEO the hell out of those websites. I would do everything in my power to try to get people to be vaguely interested. But the most successful form of demand building that I have seen is in the past two years when I went all in on LinkedIn. I, I've just never seen anything like the engine that it creates. And, you know, the people that see, maybe I get 200-ish po- comments on my my post, but I'm getting like forty to 50,000 views of those things to your earlier point about these lurkers. So what you see in terms of who's engaged or elected is just the tip of the iceberg in terms of who's actually there, the scope and size of your audience. So for me, it's all about the people coming to me, the outbound or the inbound folks rather taking that next step versus me taking the next step. I've already done my spade work. I've I've shared my thoughts. I've given away what I know for free and they're coming to the well.
1: Yeah, it, you know, it's, a, it's such a good point because like, you know, Chris is someone that I talk to often and I, I've always found his whole like everything that he thinks and like the whole inbound motion. it's like, it makes a lot more sense. And that's, I've taken a lot of what he, you know, preaches things that he talks about. And I've tried to implement it myself, not only like in my personal life, but also within Alice as well. And it's, it's paid off a ton. And it's just, I don't know why. I don't know. Not that people don't believe it, but I feel like the word personal brand, and I've talked to a few people about this. They're just like, it, it's, it comes across as like a bad word of something that people don't want to talk about. Like, why do you think that is?
0: Well, I think it's because you're turning attention on yourself, but you're not doing it in the ways that I think have the negative connotations, right? So like if you're at a party and someone is just blabbing away, like, look at me, trying to be the like of the party. Like, that's pretty annoying. What we're talking about when we say personal brand is somebody like you or somebody like me. Just saying, you know what, I'm going to empty out my mental notebook of the 15,000 hours that I've done in my space, and I'm going to pour it all out there for you guys to see. If you like it, terrific. If you don't, that's fine too. But it's not about like, hey, look how handsome I am or how many friends I have or like any of that. It's really just more like, hey, look at what's in my brain. Look at the contents of my brain and do with that what you will. So that's what personal brand means to me. And so when I think about personal branding, let me just give you some concrete examples of how it's worked for me. So I've just crossed two, two million in, in annual recurring revenue for my fledgling PR agency. That's less than two years old, two million. I have 15 employees. I have not done any outreach for any of these things. And it's all on the back of my relationships that I've built in the community on LinkedIn. It's a hundred percent that. So people challenge me a lot like, well, you spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. How do you justify that? I was like, well, two million ARR and 15 employees in less than two years. That's up.
1: You know, I feel like we need to like print that on a t-shirt or something. I don't own my own company. I, I'm, I'm an employee of an employer. And so like, but I still see the benefits from it, not only for personal gain, but within the company, like I'll drive a million dollars in pipeline myself just from, you know, content creation organically sure. this year. And it's just like people that don't want to double down is, you know, it's, it's so interesting to me. I just don't see any negatives to it and something that i've been thinking about a lot i talk to a lot of high school kids i talk to a lot of college kids and one of the things that they'll ask me is i want to do this i'm getting out of college i have no clue what to talk about where do i even
0: begin like what kind of you know advice would you give to them well it's a good one especially when we're talking about the younger folks i mean i, I guess it depends on if their major is what they actually want to pursue professionally right. and if that is true they probably have a body of knowledge even though it's probably early in their career that some people just simply don't know. So like, what I always say is I think there's 82 million or so people on LinkedIn, there is an audience for almost everything. If I was like a breeder of exotic canaries, I'm sure I could find, you know, a couple thousand people who care about the breeding of exotic canaries. And so my point is, is that you're, the content of your brain is valuable to someone. So you just gotta start laying it out there and having an opinion on things that you care about. That's gonna be your professional direction. And if you start doing that a little bit over time, it's, it's called doing the spade work that produces a harvest over time. You know, it's like going to the gym. People go to the gym for a week or two. They're not losing 20 pounds and not having rippled abs. And they're like, this didn't work. Like, it's the same thing with LinkedIn. You can't just go put a two or three posts up and expect that you're going to go viral. It doesn't work that way. You have to put the sweat equity in. But more importantly, you have to do it from a place of honesty. You know, you can't be out there Hosting because your goal is to make money on the followers you generate. The goal is to provide value to people who are like-minded and want to learn and share knowledge together. And it's that whole rising tides raises all ships idea. You know, it's like, I'm making you guys smarter. I want to follow people that make me smarter. And together, we're introducing each other to a whole huge cascading bunch of folks who are smart, who help us punch above our own weight class. So I think when I, when I think of the youngest folks, it really is just get started, start small, following smart people that are in the field they care about, learn as much as you can, add value when you can, and just be a good citizen. And over time, that really tends to, to lift everybody up. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't agree more with you there. It's something
1: where, you know, you, you touched on something that was interesting there. Cause I feel like we're on a similar path where like, you know, two years ago, it was kind of like, I went all in as well. I remember it was like March of 2020. And I was working for a company, Clary, at the time, you know, big Silicon Valley company that was in RevOps. And so we were in Laguna Beach at a revenue kickoff. And Kyle Coleman, who was my boss, was like, you know, hey, like, this is all the doors that it's open for me. Like, no one talks about field marketing on LinkedIn. Like, you should go and do it. Put on a challenge to his direct reports. And, like, I, I love competitive challenges. So I was all in. And It took me six months before I saw any traction and a year before I really started to see anything that was like, you know, the tides were turning. Like for you, like what was that journey like from starting to when you saw the traction to when you actually start to see
0: meaningful results? So I think a couple of things. So there's some similarities there. I think one, when I started doing this about two years ago, it was when I launched my business in the bowels of the pandemic and there was riots in the streets and, you know, all that. And so I was, I was looking for an outlet, some, something that I could do that could be a force for good. So I decided to create a PR agency that was working only with companies that are doing something demonstrably good. That doesn't necessarily mean saving lives. It just means making people's lives easier, less friction, more collaboration, just a good company. So when I started, there weren't a lot of PR people on LinkedIn talking at all about PR. In fact, there still aren't. It's like alarming to me that still, there are so many people that are in PR whose job it is to, to promote. And to raise the awareness of all these clients, yet they do nothing for themselves. It's the classic cobbler's children wear no shoes story. (laughs) So I saw Elaine, I saw an opening and I just determined I was going to go out there and start kind of sharing the good, the bad, and the ugly about the PR space, right? So when I was working for other people, I was a little limited in terms of what I could say. But now that I started my own agency, I could share warts and all what's going on within the PR industry. And I think that touched a really big nerve for a lot of these folks. You know, there's not some, there's some things that aren't so great in PR. Some, some agencies are like sweatshops where they have you on 15 clients and you can't do anything well. Like there's a lot of dark underbelly stuff in the PR industry. So I started just being honest about the stuff no one ever talked about. And it was really then when I feel like, oh, I'm tapping into a vein here. People are hungry for just people telling the straight dope about things rather than just being like, I'm pleased to announce an award we won. Like, you know, there's only so much mileage that's going to get you. But if you have a truth teller in your midst, people tend to gravitate towards that. So for me, that was the aha moment when I started talking about how, you know what, at the biggest agencies, guess where all the top talent goes to the client that pays the most money, shocking, right? (laughs) Those kind of things were for me, the catalyst to get more people engaged, more people to say, finally, someone's saying these things we've always known. So ideally if you can find a lane where there's not a shitload of people already, And you can start revealing truths that maybe people know but are afraid to say out loud that's for me where the accelerant comes yeah no
1: i mean that that's fantastic advice because i feel like you know it's kind of like anything like you mentioned earlier people get you know they may do it for a month or two or three months and then they don't see any traction and then they stop or you do see some traction you then fall off for a month and you have to start from square one again I think the biggest thing in, you know, everyone talks about this consistency. You have to show up day in and day out. Like, how do you balance the consistency aspect with everything else that you have going on?
0: Well, I'll tell you, I've shifted my priorities as a founder. You know, I have, we have, I don't know, 12 clients or something right now in tech, publicly traded companies, A rounds, B rounds, C rounds of funding, you know, tech, tech companies galore. I would spend initially probably 20 minutes a day on LinkedIn when I first started. But now that I'm seeing such incredible engagement and I have such a big community, I'm putting in an hour, sometimes two hours a day on this platform. And that's part of my job now. Because yeah. if I take my foot off that accelerator, then the inbound lead is probably not going to be as robust. The people who are looking to come work with us is probably going to start trickling away. So that's like, it's mission critical that what I'm doing every day. So I don't look at this as a frivolous exercise in like wasting time on social media. Like that's a core component of my job, Nick. One of the things I've been thinking recently is like, with the, with the efficacy and prevalence of LinkedIn and the deals that you're 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 bringing in, your pipeline flow, my pipeline flow, I feel like some organizations should, should consider maybe having like a CLO, like a chief LinkedIn officer or someone like that who is, you know, the evangelist of the company with more of a formal uh, job title around the LinkedIn experience. And I think that would sort of like tell people, you know what, this isn't some bullshit that we're doing to try to you know, yeah. navel gaze. This is a mission critical platform where where we're driving big results. So I don't know. I hope that answers your question. Yeah, no, it definitely does. And,
1: and, you know, it's something, and that's actually why I wanted to change my title to like, you know, so I lead evangelism and customer marketing. And so I think they do run in parallel, but I think the evangelism piece, you, you see all these executives from companies, you know, you think of Sangram from Terminus or Ethan Butte from BombBomb. Bomb. It's like, you know, they're executives that have that evangelist type of role. But sure. what about all those people that are ICs or directors that want to take a similar path that think they could add value because of LinkedIn, because of other social media channels? So like, do you think that will become more prevalent? Pre- prevalent where like we'll see non-executives take these types of roles?
0: Yeah, I think we've already begun to to see a few shots across the bow along those lines with companies like Gong, where they have motivated employees, and Gravy, where they had a bunch of people that were up there doing it. Um, I I think, from my standpoint, whenever I am in a new biz engagement with a new tech company, I ask specifically, like, what's the appetite for the C suite and that everybody on down to get involved in LinkedIn? Are you guys organizationally organizationally open to that? Because I I I tell them. There are huge dividends to be had if you, if you kind of embrace that mindset. So for me, I, I try to ask uh, the C-suite to query their people to find out who would opt in to be a part of the movement you're going to start creating on LinkedIn, which is not parroting the same thing, everybody says the same thing, but rather getting engaged, building your own personal brand in an aggregate, rising the awareness of, of the company. And it's interesting. I'm hearing more and more of the C-suite folks saying they are down with that. They are ready to get started. They want to know how. They want to know how we can help with cap calendaring, how we can help them find the right voices. And so for me, I just say get everybody who wants to be involved on LinkedIn, on LinkedIn, give them some guardrails, set them up for success and say, off you go. And And, and I just know that the cascading effects in aggregate is so far more important than any negatives that might arise. You might have somebody who maybe post something that's a little off and you say, Hey, Steve, you want to rethink that one a little bit, but for the most part, it's all going to be additive to the brand.
1: Yep. Yeah. I completely agree with you. I actually ran an internal like workshop for our employees and I didn't, you know, I thought maybe like 20 people would show up. There was about 110 people that showed up that wanted to start taking this seriously. And that number has dropped off a little as we've kind of progressed, but like the people that have joined this little program that I've built internally, have been seeing so much success. And which brings me to my next point, because I do get this question a lot, and I'm sure you know your viewpoint might be a little bit different, but for executives at these tech companies that want to empower their employees to build their personal brands, but are scared that they may leave me because they built a personal brand, they're seeing so much success, they're going to get higher paying jobs or better titles. What would you say to that? I
0: love it. So there's a thing that was popular in like the early 2000s in Silicon Valley. And it talked about training your employees. The CEO said something like, what if we train all these employees and then they leave? And and the CIO said something like, well, what if we don't train them and they stay? And that was a pretty big eye-opening moment for a lot of folks, right? So what I always tell my people is, listen, I'm under no illusions that you're going to retire at Crackle, right? You're probably going to have two, three, five more jobs before you're done. But while you're here, you might as well work on your own personal brand, which will benefit me, and then it will also arm you for future successes, right? I mean, you—you you, whats I was thinking the other day um, that your job is temporary. Your personal brand is for life. So you take that with you from job to job to job, right? So it's not just the job that you're doing for the place you're at now. So I want my people to be out there, build an audience, get that halo effect on what they're doing, whether they're with me or somewhere else, because the measure of a truly great place to work is that you set your people up for success for the rest of their lives. So that's how I view it. And it's a hard lead for a lot of people because they say, well, what if my people are out there saying smart things and they get poached? Well, then congratulations. You had smart people who are working for you. You did a good job. Like pat yourself on the back and bring more people into that fold. Exactly. Yeah, you know, it's,
1: it's, it's interesting, because I feel like there's some, and maybe they just haven't, I don't want to say got with the times, but like, some employers, I feel like are still, I don't want to say against it, but they don't want people posting during work hours. It's usually the bigger companies, honestly, versus like, the startups, like, How do you get them to overcome the ability to just empowering their employees, like being okay with like, it's a balance between the work you're doing throughout the day, but also replying on LinkedIn or TikTok or whatever your social media platform choice is?
0: Yeah, I think part of that is um, metrics and showing examples of companies who are doing it well. And then finding one or two people in, in the company to become the LinkedIn champion and then showing the results of that individual or those two individuals over time using something like Shield looking at some of the a- analytics, like to see where these new deals are coming from. Like in your case, you're building pipeline, right? And that becomes a lot easier to justify the time you put on LinkedIn when you're seeing some tangible evidence. And unfortunately, <clears throat> that's just the way some people are going to be. You have to show them before they buy in. So in those cases, incremental wins, intre- incre- incremental gains is the way to like their heart. You just have to show them the money and they'll they'll get on board. Yeah,
1: no, I definitely agree with that. And let's, let's talk about social platforms as a whole. Obviously we both double down on LinkedIn, like, you know, Twitter, this Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all those things. Like, where do you plan on spending your time outside of LinkedIn?
0: So It's Twitter and it's, it's LinkedIn. I, I know that you have a TikTok game and that a lot of my colleagues are getting it on TikTok. I, I haven't gotten there yet. I haven't taken that leap, but I feel like I may, but I need to have, in my view, like a definitive point of view and like a vibe I'm bringing to that platform. If I start, I'm going to go all in. I'm not going to dabble. You know what I mean? I'm just like LinkedIn. Like I started and I I went in. So with TikTok, I know that I'm leaving eyeballs on the table by not being there. um, And that frustrates me. And I'm also like at at that inflection point where I'm like, I'm a little more senior than a lot of these people that are out there. And so I don't want to be like that inauthentic dude who's trying to be like the cool dude on campus. So I have to have the right, the right jam if I if I were to go on that platform. So I'm looking at it. I've dabbled with concepts for it, but I feel like I'm not there yet. So for me, it's LinkedIn and it's Twitter. And I'll tell you, like, I'm in a really good spot where I don't necessarily need a whole lot more business at the moment. Like, so I'm not sitting here thinking, How am I gonna get more, you know, eyeballs? But if and when that point comes, you'll see me on TikTok juggling i'll do whatever i have to do <laughs>
1: uh i i love it that's you know for me it's been interesting because like i was doing tiktok is more so of an experiment that i still don't 100 percent know like what my content plan for it. it it's honestly all over the place i use it for my podcast i use yeah. it for just random stuff whereas I mean, like you LinkedIn, it, by the way it's fun and entertaining and so it's successful in and of itself for that reason but good yeah it's it's well then that, and that's the thing like i just there's so many, like, you can't be everywhere at once. And especially as someone that is balancing like so much, it's like, you have to spend your time in where you're going to make the biggest impact. And I just, a lot of people want to be everywhere. Cause I talk to a lot of other marketers that are in tech and they're just like, I need to be on Twitter. I need to be on LinkedIn. I need to be on TikTok. Instagram is where I'm doing some, some other stuff, but okay, you're on all these platforms. How are you also, you know, doing your regular job. And then if you have a family, things like that, like how do you ultimately balance everything? I guess is, is my question.
0: So, so I, I look at this as a little bit like PR, what I reel against, which is spray and pray, right? You're just trying to cover as much ground as possible, hoping that some something sticks. Also use this analogy, um, talking about like, I'm not sure if you're a foodie, but I love food. I love going to great restaurants. And one of the things that almost all the great restaurants have in common is that they have a, a small handful of, of main courses and they crush them they are delicious people go there for that maybe they have a certain special but they don't have 400 things all over the menu because you can't possibly do 400 things well right so this isn't an ex. this isn't an exercise in copping out if you're a really great chef rather it's doubling down on excellence that small handful of meals that they really do a great job with is a commitment to excellence and for me personally and for the executives that i talk with and work with I always uh, caution against trying to go too broad, you know, and doing a, a piss poor job on some of those platforms. Honestly, I, you'd, you'd rather not be there than be there poorly. So for me, it's master one, move on to another, master that. And if you still feel like you have the bandwidth, the appetite and capacity to move on, then great, embrace and extend. But until you feel like you have those arms and legs and the, and the, the fortitude to sort of crush the next platform, stay
1: where you are. That's my advice. That's that's fantastic advice, honestly. And I know we're coming up on time. So I want to ask you just kind of what, one last question before we get into kind of some you know additional, like where we can find you. So if you, you know, if you were to give one piece of advice to a B2B marketer who's probably in tech, um, to just get out there and start doing it, creating content. What what would you say to them just
0: to kind of make their lives easier? Yeah, there is an audience for you. Like it's that simple. People have a lot of difficulty overcoming their fear of posting, thinking that maybe I'm not going to get any engagement. Maybe what I'm saying isn't that smart. Um, maybe this will fall on deaf ears. Maybe I won't have enough content. There's like excuse after excuse after excuse you come up with to justify not doing it, but there is an audience for you. I don't care what B2B space you're in. Someone will care and someone can relate and you can build your community. But the way to start, if you're too sort of timid to post yourself, is to go start engaging on other people you admire on their on their comment feeds and start just engaging authentically with them. Do you like that? Folks, great. Say so. Do you disagree slightly? Add your feedback. And over time you'll start getting a little bit of confidence in your ability to interact with folks and you begin to kind of get the cadence and the rhythm of the the platform. That's a really easy way to kind of boil the frog, which if you don't know that expression it means put a frog in a cold uh, pot of water and you just slowly turn the temperature up over time so they don't realize they're boiling like that's a way to boil the frog with your linkedin approach is comment 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 get engagement in the comments and then over time say you know what i'm gonna take a leap," and you post And i think that's the biggest uh barrier is that initial post that some people just can't get themselves to do unless it is "Please, we just won an award today <laughs> and no one gives a rats ass about that. (laughs) That's fantastic advice, seriously,
1: because I think that is something that people really, really struggle with. But as we continue to go through this digital first world that we're in, I think it's just going to be more and more important. So Harry, thank you so much for joining me. Where can people go to find you, connect with you, learn more about
0: Crackle? Like anything that you want to plug here, feel free. We'll add it to the show notes as well. Sure. So Crackle PR is our website. We do tech PR for a variety of companies. You can find me on LinkedIn. Just put my name in, Perry Hedrick, and you can find me on Twitter at P. Hedrick um, is my handle. So that's it. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Honestly, it was a pleasure anytime I get to learn from you. So thank you again. Thank you for listening to Rep Your Brand. Make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And if you learned something new today, it'd be great if you left us a review. We'll catch you next time.